puberty finally hit Freshman year made a promise to have my first kiss Stomach growling so I head out the door Bump directly to this chick right at the front door I shot my shot, said my name, I'm a dope Said, where you coming from? She said, straight from the store Said for sure, said slide to the skate And don't set her eyes lit up She probably an acrobat I play it cool and get six on the dash She said she'll move shit around and make time just for that We hit the ice and had a skate slay She put my hand around her waist We just couldn't keep space In a moment all else is erased Queen Elsa the way she let it go and let me chase Holding hands while we glide puppy love shit She said she feeling it but she really gotta dip I'm the Tarzan to her Jane Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang First kids marriage I could go down the list But nothing quite like that bliss From your first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang First kids marriage I could go down the list But nothing quite like that bliss From your first kiss why she holding back? I don't understand. Got a plan set. I'ma get close to the friend. Link at the cafeteria. Prepared to show my hands. Had to clarify some things for I made my advance. Does your friend have a do or man of interest? She said, get your feelings hurt. Go ask her, be my guest. Plot thickened when she told me she had better half. I was selfish. Tried to drift her off the faithful path. I let out a laugh. Hit my feelings high the mass. But when she look at me, stimulate my lower half. Got me feeling like a first pick. In the NFL draft Where she had my heart sprung Could've really used a cast uh, Reignite that spark See that glint She's staring in my eyes uh, Really giving hints I get butterflies Feel my gut wrench See her leaning in That's my first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang First kids marriage I could go down the list But nothing quite like that bliss From your first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane, Katara to my avatar. She used to call me Aang first. Kids marriage, I could go down the list, but nothing quite like that bliss from your first kiss. Hello. Welcome back to the Treehouse Show. You just listened to. First Kiss by moi. This is the trillest podcast in the universe. And what can I say? Um, we have a very special guest today. Two. We have two very special guests today. Absolutely. We have um, from How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, Toothless. Toothless. We got Bat Dog. You feel me? We got Cheeto. She's a little Halloween baby over here. I absolutely love it. And today... Um, we just have somebody who, you know, from the get-go, always came with energy, always, you know, came bringing, you know, such a good vibe with her, and we just bonded over time, and, you know, we've just always been kind of just like the people, we, we uplift each other, you know, when we're together, Definitely. it's always, you know, adding on to, you know, our already bubbly vibe, so. And just growth. And absolutely, like, from the spiritual side, yeah. like, you know, just telling our stories and, like, it's, and like we're around the same age, so like it's interesting seeing us kind of like navigate life and like in downtown Chicago. In downtown Chicago, you feel <laughs> in me? Away a crazy from our society. parents, crazy society, <laughs> and just kind of figuring it out. And I feel like you know we have a lot of perspective to give, and we always like to bring this back to like young men. So I'm not gonna spoil it, but just a lot of 
you know, female perspective on how we can go about things and improve and also, Truly. you know, learn to treat each other in a better way. Definitely. With that being said, we have the one and only, we have Rebecca. Hi. <laughs> it's me. It you? It's me. It me. It me. All the way, baby. That's beautiful. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, actually. I had a really good weekend. Luckily, it didn't get, like, you know, totally plastered like everybody else because of St. Patrick's Day. So me and Roxy just had a nice little time at the park. Just been out in nature, enjoying the sunshine, finally. Mm. Spring weather. It's fantastic, just living and thriving. But I've been good. I'm good. That is beautiful. Blessed. I'm Listen, blessed. that's <laughs> all we can ask for. I mean, every day that you wake up is a blessing. Absolutely. You know? That is beautiful. Because, like, especially coming from days where, like, it kind of, like, it didn't feel like a blessing. No kidding. And you know? especially with quarantine and everything like that, though. That made me much more, like, gave me kind of a different perspective on life, definitely. Mm. Just because getting caught off, you know, from visiting my family or work and other things. So it just kind of made me appreciate life a little bit much more mm. like um a lot of people they were forced you know a lot of people have regimens a lot of people have routines yeah you feel me and there's certain things in our life that break those patterns they're called pattern interrupts so, so like a divorce you know your parents a pandemic a pandemic <laughs> I, was, I was building on that right so like a pandemic and, and hindsight is 2020 yeah is what they say which is funny i was actually 2020 that's crazy that's a whole other thing but also like where i'm going with <laughs> that's this that's when it started isn't that wild? it was the two-year anniversary of covid it's, it was also no it literally is the two-year anniversary it was i was on the news yeah. i just saw that article no that's crazy <laughs> that's insane yeah but yeah just like you know it's like we, we're living complete lives and we kind of like built up to that point just getting used to like doing what we've done and like okay this is gonna be who we are but it's like something like the pandemic happens and it's like it's like foreign territory totally uncharted lands you know i feel like it just switched up everybody's life i mean you're talking about routine the gyms were closed you know like just little things like that that like could help people with their mental health and things like that just totally were overturned and there was like no end in sight and there still isn't technically but that's a topic for a different time. That's a but whole other topic. I feel like it's very important to kind of rebuild yourself when your routine seems to distract itself based on other patterns and just focus on being in control of what you can be in control. Mm. That's what really helped me from like losing my mind <laughs> during all of this. But yeah, just focusing on what you're in control of and what you can control. No, like that's... I know it sounded redundant, but it's very true. Sometimes redundancy is needed in like today's <laughs> day and age of instant gratification and just like, oh, what were you saying? Distracted. No, exactly. Like you can't even so have a I, I feel like I feel like that's why I repeat myself a lot though, because of my nieces and stuff like that. They're all always on their phones, so yeah, I, I repeat it, but. I feel like it needs to be said multiple times of just like being in focus of what you're in control of. And it kind of stops the madness that normally goes on in my mind and I'm sure in everybody else's minds of fixating on things that were part of your routine or part of your normal lifestyle that aren't there anymore. Mm. Or it's, people even. 
you know, I wasn't able to visit my grandmother and my mom during that time. So, like, you know, you're not in control of that. So it's better just to have, like, a level head. No, that's, um, <laughs> that concept, that concept of spring cleaning or that concept yeah. of... And it's the first day of spring today, actually. No. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Merch. It's the merch. Cap. No cap. No cap. What? No cap. It's the first day of spring officially. Isn't that wild? Right? I love it. That's crazy. It's like... And you called me at 11-11. So many good things. So many good things. Angel numbers. Big brain. Everywhere. Everywhere. No, but like, I love that you mentioned, you know, how like sometimes in life we're forced to focus on things that we may not deem important at the time but for our legacy and for our future like these were absolutely pivotal right and and right. i love that you mentioned like kind of moving on and things coming and going and like letting go of things that you can't control right also like i was reading this book and and it was and it's crazy you mentioned that because they were literally talking about like we focus so so much on life about like holding on to things we focus so much on like okay, I see this person, this person has this, this person has that, I want that, you know? We focus so much on like getting and things and materials, but, and like a lot of happiness, if you like study happy people or like people who have like really achieved a lot in their lives and have a deep sense of fulfillment, a lot of times these people actually like live really simple, minimalistic lives. Like they wear basic clothes. So it's almost like happiness is not like adding things it's almost like getting rid of like unnecessary it really shit. is i mean like bob marley said in one of his interviews when they were like are you a rich man because they were asking him about all the albums that he had sold and everything and he said what is rich to you he's like i'm rich in happiness i'm rich in peacefulness i'm rich in, you know my conscious being clear and that's the lines right with what you were saying in the book mm. Absolutely. Um, we gonna move this mic a little closer. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit down. Bam, like that. So yeah, your face is still in the view. Um, oh, is it okay if I drink water in between? Absolutely. You can drink water. Speaking of drinking, and speaking of drinking, speaking of drinking, uh, <laughs> have a full cup, energy wise. But also speaking of drinking, we have this beautiful assortment of beautiful alkaline. High enzyme action. <laughs> I mean, duh. You feel me? And we got kombucha in this mug. So, what can I say? Is dive in. You know. I will. I will. Also, this. <laughs> I, I want you to smell that fruit. I think I know what it is. What does it smell like? It smells like pineapple. Really? That you getting pineapple energy? But I know that it's jackfruit. Good job. I know that it's jackfruit based on the outside, though. It looks like lizard skin. It looks like dragon. No, but it literally, skin. I'm getting pineapple vibes. Because, like, the color. Because most people say, no, the scent. Obviously. Since it's it's pineapple? Yeah. The color definitely in, like, the. No, the scent. Hmm. But I know jackfruit. Okay. Maybe your senses are rude because of COVID. <laughs> okay, wow. She pulled in the COVID car. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Have you had it before? I did not actually. I was very, very lucky to never have it. Lucky to never have it? No, because I came in contact. So two, so two of my best friends, we were all sharing drinks. It was New Year's Eve. They both got COVID, felt like they were dying. Mm. Also, do you want me to look into that camera? Look at you. 
it doesn't look at me because like you're talking to me that's more natural yeah. Okay, yeah okay so two of my best friends we were at a new year's eve party mm. and we had all been sharing glasses and of course as soon as the clock strikes midnight we all kiss they both are dying in bed because of covid mm. and then i go to get tested because i'm like oh my gosh like i'm not sick or anything like that but they obviously have it and it happened on three occasions where people very very close to me that i would have should have been um exposed to it and should have caught it i didn't get it and then i ended up asking my doctor and he's like are you really asking me why you're immune to this he's like it might be like you know your anemic disease or just you know your autoimmune system whatever it may be he's like but like you should just feel blessed at this point to not have it. You've never caught COVID? No. This whole time? No, never. Isn't that insane? And I travel so much. I just feel like I, I mean, I didn't really want to get vaccinated in the first place. And I only did it to go see my grandma. Like I said previously, like things that are out of your control. Like you couldn't see people, right? Your routines messed up. So my grandma's 92 years old and I wanted to go see her. My mom's That's also like old as well. She's like, she had me at 37, so she's 62. But I wanted to stay in touch with them and I feel like I couldn't forgive myself if I was to go into their house and like one of them gets sick. So I ended up doing it and just feel like being very conscious about myself, having a healthy diet and everything like that kind of helped. I, I'm assuming build mm, my immunity up to it, yourself, but yeah. yeah, I've never caught it. Neither has Roxy because apparently dogs can get it too. What? Yeah, yeah, dogs can get COVID. And they get sick. Yes. I mean, I spent like two thousand dollars when I came back from my birthday trip because she got into some weird paint. Mm. So my cousin was taking care of her. They were redoing the building, and she needed like a breathalyzer, which I can't put on her so I would have to hold it. So yeah, they can get COVID though. It was going around pretty bad for wow. dogs in the dog parks and that's when I stopped taking her. So once again, changed her routine, but I just play with her more often to try to like make up with it. But yeah, mm. it's insane. That is beautiful. Speaking of like routine and like the things that we do. So for you all who don't know, Rebecca is a extremely, extremely excellent hairstylist. You feel me? Yes, I am. She, um, among other things, you know, definitely <laughs> prides herself, you know, in that. Yes, where, I do. Where did, because, you you know, obviously you said you were an only child. So I, I was just curious as to, like, where did you get all that practice from, you know? Myself, <laughs> which is why I shaved my head when I was 17. Oh, by myself, yeah, I did it on my own. Um, so being raised in a very, like, Muslim, very strict culture, lifestyle, you know, we weren't allowed to have any tattoos, which obviously, you know, you see me now, um, no hair coloring, no makeup, everything was looked as like very, very like, you know, sinful, like you're attracting men or whatever. And so I just wanted, you know, while my other friends were out there going to parties and stuff, I kind of just wanted to experiment myself with hair and artistic things. And my mom was, it was, I was surprised when my mom was one of the few things that she actually supported because she was just like, I'd rather, you know, my daughter do things on her own and just express herself than, you know, like being raised in Chicago, going on parties or being a part of a gang or whatever. 
so I got judged a lot because of the community that we were in for experimenting with my hair color and all that but and my makeup too so don't look at my myspace pictures because I didn't have anybody to teach me anything like my mom I'm coming from like a woman who never wears makeup has never been drunk in her life totally sober very very strict so I had to teach all these things like myself YouTube helped a lot um obviously I have a big family so my cousins were like my little like guinea pigs because they saw how good I was getting but yeah my mom First time I bleached my hair, my mom came in and I was actually using real bleach. Mixed with like 20 developer that I have like gotten from a Sally's or a Walmart, I don't even know. And I ended up like just having my restroom smell really bad. My mom comes in and she's like, what did you do? And I just did like a Corella Devoe look and I was rocking it. And then my mom like was actual like- actual bleach bleaches her hair? Yes, oh, I with hydrogen peroxide. I mean, I looked it up. Don't, do not think that I do these things on actual people anymore. I've learned. This is bro science. But yes, this is real science. This is this is a chemistry. This is science. It's chemistry over here. <laughs> it's all chemistry. It's all chemistry. Um, yeah. So she comes in. She's like, "Why does it smell like it's about to blow up?" I'm like, "Uh." And then she sees my hair because I had it wrapped up in a towel. I'm like, "Oh, this might explain it." But. Um, yeah, I ended up just getting into hair, practicing on myself. Did so much practice on myself though that I eventually like had to just shave my hair off, which you've seen the bus cut pictures. Absolutely. But yeah, it was just very damaging, but it was fun. And I love doing hair and I love doing hair transformations. I feel like even though I went to school for something completely different, I loved the feeling of physically seeing somebody feel so much better when they would leave my chair, you know? And it's almost like you're a therapist in that way because hairstylists know that they're regular clients. You know, you keep up with your clients, you keep up with their lives and everything like that. So the minute they get into that chair, for some people it might be the only like 30 to, you know, whatever time, 30 minutes, whatever, that they have to actually express themselves because they don't go to therapy or whatever. So, it was very, very fulfilling to me to see somebody's whole persona, their whole aura, and their whole energy just completely change when they would leave my chair and just feel beautiful. So no, it was that's, nice. That's why I got into it. I feel like that's a healthy, that's the definition of like a healthy passion to have. A healthy profession as well. A healthy yeah. profession because not only does it, you know, keep the lights on or it gives you money it's a win-win it's like you actually feel satisfied by like not not the, the fact that like you did that but also like you gave value to that person yeah like you seeing them light up yeah like, it's not just know? like a financial one it's like a spiritual one because it's like i killed my ego so it's like i'm not i try not to brag about my work even though i know my work is good correct but i you know i'm proud of the work that i did i'm like yeah i did that but like I did that and the word that when I say I did that has three different meanings to me. Well, actually just two because the money in that moment isn't even a part of it. It's more of I did that like I slayed their hair and I made them feel so much better about themselves when they came in, you know, like I'm not a shrink, but like so like we have a lot in common we do. in the sense that. <laughs> My mom is like, she had me pretty old too. 
Yeah. Because I'm the youngest. So in a different sense, she had other kids by I was still like growing up, my parents were a little The older. baby. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, well no, having that huge age gap. Yeah, yeah. It's big. Like she maybe she, probably maybe she's like thirty five, but definitely up there. Thirty five when she had you. Yeah, yeah something like that. Thirty seven. Because my because all I know is she had my first at twenty five, which is the oldest, and she's twelve years older than me. So she's probably thirty seven probably yeah. too. By the time, like a low key, I probably was a mistake. I love you, mom and dad, but like, cause like they wait five years between like the one next to me is five years older than me. I, I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't planned. Like, You're like, I'm pretty sure yeah, like, that was five years happening. is a good amount of time of like, yeah, this, no this is it. So you know, this is it. It's right, like, and then another one comes along. So like, thank you for um whatever for having me. <laughs> you know, like the cosmos and the universe wanted you here. Listen, it was I, inevitable. I, I wasn't um. No Was birth it, control uh, is gonna stop you. Looks like we made it. <laughs> Look how far we've come, baby. Like that's all I'm gonna say. Like, um, but yeah, just like I feel like we have a lot in common in that sense. And also being the youngest and you being the only child, you know, we get a lot of attention. Also, yeah. like I'm assuming, like ain't no other kids around, so it's like, and and that's good and bad. Definitely bad. So like, in my opinion. Okay, you think bad. So, like, in my opinion, it was bad probably for the same reason, but I'm going to stay. So, it was bad for me. It's like, I kind of got a false sense of what it means to be a good person without actually developing the skills. So, so for example, like, if you're, like, in, no offense to, like, you know, bigger people, but, like, if you if you were, like, kind of a fat person growing up, you know, we all hear that thing. You had to, like, you had to learn to, like, have character. You had to learn to be funny. Yeah. Which are, like, things that like, every it's human like, should learn. You should learn to be a, a cool yeah. person to be around, right? But you develop those skills when you're not being, Privileged when you're under struggle. Like, yeah. Exactly. So being, like, the only, the youngest, and then, like, parents were kind of nice to me, too. Like, they kind of spoiled me a little bit. because like, You were the baby. Exactly. They were yeah. super strict on the older ones, but they're, like, I guess they learned, like, okay, let's kind of be more chill with this one. So the bad part of that was, like, I kind of grew up kind of, like, Having, I don't want to say an inflated ego, but I kind of grew up thinking that like I was entitled to shit. Like I, I kind of grew up thinking like, oh, they don't like me, like fuck them, or like they should like me, because like but growing up, like, I was just liked because I was the youngest. But yeah. when I got into the real world, it was like a slap in the face, like no, nah, nigga. You actually have to prove some you gotta skills. Be a good, yeah, you, gotta be a you actually good have person. to have the tools. And you have to treat like... people with respect. You have to like, and it humble me. You know, yeah. what was your journey like, kind of? Because we have that similar upbringing, but like, how did you kind of process that? I feel like um, the only time I relate to that, that's exactly my experience, um, the only time that I feel like I would relate to that was in actual relationships because, you know, thank God, every job interview that I had, I was like a job wizard. Like, there was not one interview that I wouldn't ace. Like, I was amazing at getting jobs. You know, amazing uh, work, always very, very liked in general, and I feel like it wasn't my likeliness wasn't because of the fact that I was the only child, but like me being the spunkiest and just being the most like marching to the beat of my own drum. Yeah, you have As like mojo, my friends yeah. just say. And my cousins, my family, they all say that. They're like, you're the only person that could pull this look off or whatever, and your self-confidence. So I saw that likeliness in every aspect of my life. The reason, or the time really, and the reason why I reflected on it, that really slapped me in the face was actually in interpersonal relationships. So, you know, like in the job fields that I've done, I'm just used to being liked, but then when I actually would try to have a relationship with somebody romantically, I'm just, I, that's when the, that's when it was like, not a slap in the face, it was like a 
freaking like bus punch in your king like, ball punch. punch. Right. It was a punch. Listen, I'm not sexist at all, but punch. ball punches were. Don't no, don't argue with me. Don't argue with me. This is not this is not a debate. I feel like that just stems from you watching a lot of porn and like seeing girls get fucked. Not off. even porn. Actually, I don't watch porn. Okay, I'm an angel. And also, listen, even like Home Alone, like that's always a trend in movies. Like they show the dude getting hit in the nuts. Well, obviously. So it's like that's just the condition. It was just a freaking stab to my heart. Then some more people can relate. Um, it was in my honestly part of my French. But yeah, it was in my um. I realized that not everybody was going to treat me like my mom, obviously, like my family and, you know, with school and being the favorite employee and everything like that. Like I was, I'm giving all these people something, right? That they want and they need because they're in my circle. But when I would branch out of my circle to be in a relationship, it's like these people have what they need. So they're not gonna put up with my bullshit as easy, like, you know, as easily or like look over it as most everybody in my life had done, if that makes sense. No, 100%. So that's when that was a real slap in the face to me, you know? It was just like, like, I know I'm good at making money and I know I'm good at making every, my, everybody in like my family laugh and yada, 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 financially providing, etc. But like, that's when I started self-reflecting truly on who I was as a person and my character because I realized that there were other people that actually were healed and were fine and we're just trying to find you know a partner that matched their energy and I would show up with my shenanigans and just think that I could get away with whatever thinking like oh they're gonna treat me like everybody else has in life and yeah it was a, it was a slap to the face for real it's definitely crazy. I mean, it's not easy still. Like, I'm still struggling with that. But, yeah. That was, like, a really big wake-up call onto me, like, self-reflecting. Mm -hmm. No, like, what you say is, like, you really hit it on the money because a lot of times we kind of leave out the struggle. You know, we kind of highlight the good parts or, like, we focus on, like, oh, I was that, I was that. But it's, like, the real, like, growth happens when you get slapped in the face. When you get hit by that bus, that's and when you when learn, you like, like, accept it too. Exactly, and learn to accept it. But I kind of want to go back to, so you mentioned the dancing thing, right? So there was a part where you said, like, even going back to like when you dyed your hair, mm -hmm. you know. So you say like the first thing your mom looks at, you know, is not even the colored hair. It's like. The bathroom's on fire. Yeah. And, and I could, I felt that so much. It's like, you, you can like do whatever, like, mom, look at me. But they look at the the bad part. And I'm just like, you don't see I did this. I built the yeah. sun. I built the moon. I built the, but they're going to see you didn't tie your shoes. That's what they focus on. No, of course. But like deep down, you know, they, they, um, and like, we talked about that. Like the Kanye movie. Remember his mom was like, yeah, remember maybe. son, the giant Thanks. looks in the mirror and, and does. Where everybody yeah. looks at you and they see a giant, but the giant looks in the mirror and he sees nothing. Yeah. You know, and just dialing that all in, it's like so much of what we do, it's like, yeah, it's to provide, yes, to do that, but it's deep down, it's kind of like to, to make, not, because like obviously people notice us, we get attention, but it's like, none of that matters if we don't get attention from the people we want to give us attention. No, 100%. It's like the story of my life. Like, I have 
you know, everybody in my DMs and it's like the one person that I want isn't talking to me. I know, right? It's just like, it's like you, you, you. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care care about anybody, but I need the validation from, mm, we just talked about this too earlier. Like the one person that you need, like even, even if it's something minimal, like, like my post, something like give me the validation and how is it? And then it makes you feel crazy because then you're like, how is it that I have everybody else, you know, on top of me or wanting to be around me and the person that I want the most to pay attention to me isn't there, you know, that's, that's also very yeah. self-reflecting thing it is very self-reflecting and it goes back to the remember the spring and then the, what we can control and what we can't control but it also goes into like so the reason i mention all of that is like so you dance right is i that, danced you, you danced you veteran you Passed. had a lot of experience in it right is that two years two years two years off of dancing just coming off of but it. you know i know seven years of dancing right yeah. we'll talk about that okay seven years okay um is that something that you told your parents about? Or um, I eventually told my, my parents and my family found out. I mean, it wasn't in the best way, but yeah, I told my mom about it. I was just telling them that I was waitressing or bartending, right? Mm-hmm. What made you like not tell them? Because I feel like that's where the meat is at. Um, well, the judgmental factor, obviously being raised in like a Christian, well, very Muslim at first, and then still very strictly Christian, Seventh-day Adventist, like, our Sabbath was always like Friday at sunset, Saturday at sunset, so it ends. So you can't listen to any, as they would call it, secular music. You can't buy anything. Like you, you're you not. You can't cook food, right? What? You have to eat raw food. No, you can cook okay. food. But That's the Jewish part. Yeah, yeah. You like cook it beforehand. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before. Exactly. Because like you're not supposed you to do clean. any labor. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that stuff, and obviously the biggest days at the strip club are Fridays and Saturdays. So. That was the biggest thing. And just like, I feel like being an only child, I kind of had to forge my own way, which is crazy considering I still don't know my way, but my cousins admire me so much. And they, you know, I see my cousins, they all have siblings and sisters. And it's like, I wish I had that guidance to kind of help forge my way, but I didn't. So that being said, I was just, you know, I didn't have a sister to ask, should I tell them or not or whatever and it was just kind of like shameful and like hiding it all because it's like I am in their eyes you know baby girl virgin not supposed to be doing this all these like kind of stereotypes that come with the culture but also like expectations more than anything from my family and what was crazy to me is that everybody does the things that I do and more they're just not public about it. And, you know, like, it was just a thing for me at first that I just felt like I was just gonna be judged or shunned or like, you know, cast out of the family. Like I was already the black sheep, so I was like, whatever. You know, like I'm just gonna keep on hiding it until they eventually find out. And that was that, but it was more of just a fear of shame. It wasn't like I'm like a trust fund kid where I was scared to get cut off or anything. It was literally just the way that I was raised, my culture, and the feeling of the shame for it, you know? No, that's, um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of people that we know personally who are embarking on this journey 
um, of that lifestyle. And I feel like they are still working on how to kind of approach that topic. And I feel like you being someone who has been through it and has, has I don't want to say, because like, I don't know, is there ever a resolution, but has like confronted that big like hurdle? No, I mean, it was, it was definitely like amazing when I told my mom, like she would just tell me like, call me. It was, it was night. I mean, me and my mom's relationship has been just like progressing like even to this day, but um, in a great way. And she would have me call her from the club, make sure that I was okay and things like that, text me when you get home. So it was very freeing, even though the terms of what I... So rewind. Let's get it. The way that my family found out that I was a dancer was because of a drunken night. I wasn't drunk clearly um, or else I wouldn't have smelled the beans but um, one of my cousins was drunk and out of her father comparing her to me so much because I'm, I was being much more successful than she was and she was older and you know his family and whatever wasn't really paying attention to her own self um, he didn't realize that the comparisons the constant comparisons were obviously and inevitably going to lead in her lashing out so one night she's drunk, she tells my family, she tells my uncle, oh, you're so proud of her, do you know what she does for a living? And I was like, okay, because then I got like five freaking voicemails from my family calling me because I'm at work, so my phone's in my locker, like what's going on? And I remember the only person that I cared about talking to in that moment was my mom. Because I'm like, she's the only one that means anything to me. And that's when I, and I'm so glad that I made that decision instead of putting out the, you know, all the fires from the rumors, because having my mom's acceptance and her being like, I get it, was everything. If I would have just fed into the drama, I feel like I would have, it would have been a completely different situation, you know? So talking to my mom, my grandma even knows, I mean, everybody knows at this point. <laughs> they don't, now you know, if you don't know, now you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really was my mom. She's the person that I look up to the most and I respect the most and I just admire, really. And just having her be like, okay, like, I'm not okay with this, but I accept this and I love you. And that's sad. It wasn't even the fact that my mom, because there's a lot of dancers where or you know sex workers where their parents become okay with things when they see the financial coming in and like oh i bought my mom a house now she's okay with this oh i did this for my, my dad they're okay with this now my mom was never a materialistic person was never like that it was like very very much set in her core beliefs and her values and that's why it was probably like so scary for me obviously to say it because i <laughs> You know, and I was, you know, not doing it just to piss my family off either. It was like to survive and, you know, live and thrive just normally. And I just feel like it was a very, very, like, amazing thing, definitely, to have my mom know that I did that. And 
accept it for what it was without any finances, without anything going into it, without, you know, any unnecessary drama going into it. It was just like, this is what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. I accept you and I love you. You're my only daughter. And just be safe about it. You know, there's even going to clubs, you know, there's crazy people everywhere. There's drugs everywhere, roofies, whatever. So that's why she would literally tell me, call me when you get home, call me when you're leaving, like everything like that. So yeah, she was, it's difficult, but I feel like, you know, my situation, I wasn't in control of when things were brought out into light. Also, my situation is very complicated because I did start dancing at 17 with a fake ID because of an incident that happened in my household with my uncle. So my my thing with dancing was more of like getting out of a bad situation, but also trying to help my family out of our situation in general. Because it was my first time coming around money like that, you know? My biggest night was like a 5K night. It was, you know. At 17? No, I was actually 21. But at 17, I was working three, four days a week, day shift, right? In North Carolina, because that's where I was living at the time for college and everything. And I was able to get off work at like 6, 7 p.m. with like $500, four to five days a week. And then go party with my friends and go get, you know, go do whatever, go to the pool parties, summertime, whatever. So that was insane to me because I've been seeing my family slay themselves. So even, even, even with the one cousin who exposed me, I still financially helped them because I just was like trying to get out of a situation while also not losing focus. And not losing my, not lose, it wasn't about losing focus, but not losing the relationship with my family and getting lost in the sauce, as they say. You know, I just, it motivated me and I wanted to, you know, like, it opened up doors to so many things. There's so many, you know, taking my grandma to Niagara Falls, so many experiences that I would have never been able to accomplish if it wasn't for that. But yeah, I feel like it's just important to tell your circle and the people that you really care about or you know the people that you value their opinion if that's your parents you know if you're trying to come out as a dancer or who it may be but the people that I feel like the people that matter the most when it comes to letting somebody know that you're in sex work are the people who taught you your values that you still carry with you and that might not be your mom or dad. But, but there's case, also a support system. In you your know? case, it was your mom. Because yeah. looking at like what you just said of her, like, had you at 37, never drank, like... She was only with three guys in her whole life. So, so like... And she was the first one that actually immigrated. So my, my dad's from Arabia. My mom's Mexican. They were the first people from their family to step foot in the United States. And she worked her ass off. To like, she was working three jobs, like getting her family, getting the papers, getting the visas, getting everything for our family to come over, you know? And everybody to this day says, like, your mom was a glue and your grandma. Like, but more so my mom that kept us together. My mom helped raise, like, 
all of our nieces and nephews. Cause she didn't have me until she was older, you know? But yeah, that, I mean, luckily it wasn't my mom. She's my hero, mom, you're my hero, but yeah. Is that why it, is that why you didn't give up about anybody else finding out, but you were scared about her finding out? Because you know how hard she had to work. Because you know of what she stood for. You were actually worried about because like her opinion was the only one that mattered. Because she was the only one who and that's said, what she, did what she said and said what she did. And she's, she stood by principle. And she still does. And that's why she was the first person, like I said, after getting all those voicemails. Because I wasn't even at the party. I was at work. The only person that I cared to talk to about was my mom. Why is that? Why is it just, why is it just a mom? Because she's, in a sense, it's played so many roles in my life. Like, what about the other people who got voice? Why didn't that Well, it was my uncles and, you know, and I was going to go home to my uncle's house because I was living there, you know. I just didn't care about them because to me they were, you know, to me, my mom, if it wasn't for my mom, they wouldn't have what they have. If it wasn't for my mom motivating them. If it wasn't for my mom financially helping them, if it wasn't for my mom also encouraging them to find a passion and something that their values, you know? So to me, in that moment, and, you know, besides, regardless of the fact that, yeah, you know, like, they were drinking and drugs and all that stuff, it's like, my mom, to me, being sober was like the ultimate, not, be, not, not only was she able to immigrate on her own which wasn't fun and find a city to settle down in but like everything she went through she managed to stay sober she worked through everything like she like is such a strong strong person whereas you know the rest of my family addicts drunk drinking problems whatever maybe not everybody you know but that's why my mom's opinion was the only one that mattered because I was like, you're sober. It's not just because you're mom, you're my mom, like I said, you know, some people are blessed like I am to have a parent that actually has never done anything wrong in life and who also doesn't judge you on that, you know? Because if they did judge you, they would be right. They would be rightfully so. Exactly. It's what you expect. And that's the only person and who they, is. And they baffle you when they don't. There's been so many baffling things about her. Where I'm just like, damn, like, why can't I be? <laughs> it's insane, it's crazy. But yeah, she was the only one that I was like, I just knew that she had such a level head and clear head, and she has more than anything a very genuine, pure soul that I knew. It wasn't like, it was almost like in a way of like getting her blessing, and then nothing else mattered, you know? So, that's that's my little spiel. No, thanks for sharing that. You know, and, and also like before we move on from that, like I I'm curious as to see like because I'm at a point where like literally everything you say like if I was being kind of like emotional like reflective, it's because like literally you just described my mom. Like literally, doesn't even eat meat. I was like tearing up right now. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, like hundred percent. Never drinks. Like has probably like maybe she's drunk before, but like doesn't drink. Doesn't do like just like your straight edge, but always bubbly, always there, always she's instilling principles and values, and never is tired. Always has she's energy somehow. Yes, I don't and, like, understand it. Wants to get her. They like. 
how's your mom feel this? All over the world. I found out that they always the first thing. Like the ex on my dad too, but the first thing is my mom because she's just this, even like her, like I love my uncles and I love my aunties, but like, and part of like what Mick probably, and like I'm kind of assuming at this point, but like it can't be wrong that like what makes you like respect her so much is she went through like the same upbringing as her siblings or your uncles. But somehow, seven kids. She didn't fold. Like it's, it's like they folded. Or like and we all, and like not judging because we all, you know. But it's like, it's like that says a lot for them to all like go through the same struggles. But like your mom stayed true. That makes you respect them even more. And like, and I, the same thing with my mom. So going back to that, but I haven't reached that point yet where you've reached where it's like you've you've tested almost tested that relationship by like. Her finding out. A thousand percent I've tested that relationship. Exactly. And, and, and actually... Before you... I just want to finish this, this train of thought. So, like, I haven't gotten to that point. I haven't told them everything. And so, I'm still not... I'm pretty sure, like, kind of like your mom, she would be accepting. But there's that unknown, right? But I'm interested to know, like, did that open up kind of, like, a new level of, like, your relationship? Because I'm sure, like, before it was certain things. But, like, after she knew that, like, did you, did you discover a side to her that you didn't know? Yeah, no, definitely. That's what I was going to say. Like, that opened up so many things about us and me being actually able to ask her about relationship advice or, you know, it just opened up a lot. And my grandma's always been, me and my grandma were actually closer when I was growing up than me and my mom were because of my mom working so hard and everything. And my grandma pretty much raised me, but we all always lived in the same household. It's always been just us three. But um, I definitely feel like that opened up a lot. I was able to talk to my mom about relationships and talk to her about deeper things. And just, you know, nowadays I'm posting a picture where most people, you know, my old mom or what I had the idea of my mom, that's where it is, is the perception and the idea that I had of this person. And then when everything outside of my control was exposed to her, it was kind of like a cold turkey here you know everything about me and you're accepting it so seeing her response was like amazing because my old mom or my perception of what my old mom would have said about certain things or pictures or photo shoots that I do or whatever it may be I would always think my mom's gonna say oh my god your boobs are gonna pop out oh my god that's too sexual this is too much too that too whatever and now it's like, oh, like I did a Catwoman photo shoot recently. And I sent her pictures of Zoe Bell Kravitz in it. And Michelle Pfeiffer, my mom, responded with, wow, you guys look like twins. Like, that's amazing. I love the pictures. And in 2013, I don't think my mom would have ever said that, you know. So it's, it's amazing. I feel like it's very freeing. It's really nice to be open with them. I feel like the more you hide as a person the more you die inside as a person the more you hide the more you die because i feel like a lot of people are scared to ask for help or expose themselves and me being exposed to the person that i care more about in my life and being so vulnerable vulnerable um there was almost like strength in it afterwards and clarity because i knew that what I was doing and, you know, the path that I was on or whatever it may be, the situation, maybe the relationship that I was in or whatever, having her know about that almost gave me strength because she guide, you know, like now my mom guides me through things and I don't know, 
I could just go on and on about my mom without me losing focus, but no, it's, no, it just is... makes me very, very strong. And I feel like a lot of people are just scared to reach out in general. I know I keep on talking about my mom, but just like hiding things like, you know, I recently had a friend that I had to help get into rehab. So if she would have felt, and that's why I try to make myself be like my mom, like my mom takes in everybody's drama, every, you know, all the family secrets, everything. And I admire her for it. And I try to be the same of like making myself be of service and making people know that I'm not going to judge them. I'm here to help. If you're, you know, if you're my friend, let me know. And I was the only person that she actually told about her issues. And they told about their issues. And we were able to get them help. And it just, like, you know, what if they didn't have me there? What if they would have, you know, continued on their pattern and died, unfortunately? So that's why I literally use... The term the more you hide the more you die because it goes to every aspect you know whether it's a porn addiction a cigarette addiction a drug addiction whatever it may be you're still dying in some way shape or form internally whether it's spiritually or even you know there's been people that I know that have a sex addiction and have lost job interviews have lost a lot of things porn porn sex you know, there's literally 12 stuff groups. Sex and, uh, sex, S-E-L-L-A. So it's like, you know, which encompasses also lovers. Like an actual person, you know? So whatever the addiction may be, it's going to kill you either spiritually or financially or literally kill you. And it's just better to, like, share it and get the help, you know? No, like, I'm just digesting that because tying this, tying this back to, like, you mentioned your family. There was so much hiding. There was so much keeping things bottled up, like, people putting on, like, a face. But That's why I always You knowing the, the, the details, like, so it's almost like what you're doing is not only, like, making your mother proud by just, like, being that one in the family to like be honest and expose themselves but also by you doing that like whether like you intended to for it to come out or not that you dance just by the fact of you like it's not that it's how you like the lesson you learned from that you're inspiring like whether you know it or not you you like your decision to do that is having an impact on your friends and your family to like maybe if even if they don't take action they're at least like man Look, Rebecca, she's like, she's living an authentic life. She's being honest. Like, maybe, like, maybe I should stop hiding. So it's like, it's like we, we often overlook our thoughts. Let's call it what it is. Or we often overlook the things that we're insecure about. Like, oh, like me coming out or saying so-and-so, like, whatever. It's just going to bring me you pain. mentioned that because... But it's like, it has like I a water myself, one of our cousins actually came out. I knew it because it's human nature. And it was insane. I was, like, so happy. And then, of course, my mom and my grandma were, like, open arms, like, it's all love. Like, we would have hated it more if you just would have continued living a lie. It's exactly verbatim what they said. That's crazy. Like, regardless of the Muslim culture, regardless of, like, 
you know, all religion and like are going to go to hell. It's just genuine love, and that's no, but yeah. Mm-hmm. If you feel like the authenticity, I don't really pay attention to it. I don't really think about it. No, we don't. You don't. Th- we don't think about our impact and like just the little things we do, like or like the so like the things we're shameful about, but like even the, in the negative. There's a huge positive that we overlook. You know? That's so true. And, and, and you mentioned, like, Muslim up until, until a point. Like, what how, What was that switch to, like, more seven-day events? So, when my parents split up. Um, that's when I moved to North Carolina. And, you know, born and raised in Chicago. How so old were you? away from the headquarters over here. How were you when you uh, moved to um, so I lived most of my life here it was like right before high school that I moved over and it was crazy it's like southern that's was it a culture shock it's yeah we went to north carolina north carolina yeah I've been there once it's very country I love it though especially back then you know why? I I love I love 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 the South. I love the South. I eat. eat. I love the South. Yes, I will eat. I was like, give me something kombucha. Um, I love the South. Um, I love the nature. That was the main thing, actually. That helped me a lot. I feel like. Hmm. You hold it. Look up. Let's spill it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. mm. We got yeah, the kombucha yeah. in here. What flavor is this? It's a trilogy, baby. Like Lord of the Rings. Ooh. In the background. What? Full circle. What? And three's my lucky number because it was always me, my mom, and my grandma. There you go. Listen, if any girls are trying to um, pers- pursue me or like win my heart, <laughs> <laughs> literally just watch Lord of the Rings. That's just all. Watch That's Lord all you got to do. That's it. I don't cook. I don't clean. Let if me show I, you. I got this ring. If I'm unavailable, if I'm not Gold. texting back, if I'm a little distant, it's because you haven't watched. No, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> I'm, let me stop. I'm done. I totally lost my train of thought. It's green, North Carolina. You love it. Nature. Nature. That's what helped me with spirituality a lot, I feel like. Um, so I was blessed enough to. Well, we need to fucking um. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I feel <laughs> dirty inside. I feel I feel gross. <laughs> oh my god. But eye contact. We, we gotta do it right. Sante. No no no. Sante. 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 Mm. Oh, we gotta we gotta hold it while we drink. We gotta do it again. Sante. Mm. That's we, how I give them that look. That's the look. That was a look at the club that I would give him. That's the look that you would give him. The, <laughs> the look at the club. That's that's that bonus look. That I contacted. They finna they finna give them extra money. You finna get rich. <laughs> you finna get money that night. You finna pockets fat. Talking about pockets fat. Pockets rip But across. the heart is fatter. May may my waist get smaller, my ass get fatter, and my hair get longer, and my wallet get fatter. And your heart get thicker. <laughs> I mean. Let's not get it too thick. I don't want to die from like a cardiac arrest. Well, like, you know, like that's <laughs> not what just steroids, people. You know, no, so. but um, North Carolina. So it was a total shift of like having people constantly question me. Like, wait, you actually took public transport as a child to go to like your grades? I'm like, yeah. Like from the north side, like everybody thinks of the north side as being super yuppie. No, there's 
Gangs were a huge part of it. I mean, my uncle and my cousin, my cousin got incarcerated at 17. And I feel like that happening also played an effect in my mom's acceptance of me because she was so, like, I remember her crying because she thought I was just gonna go down a weird path and stuff. When I turned 17 and being like, thank God you didn't do this. Like, I'm so happy I made the right decision moving us over here. And funny fact, it was also because my dad is actually 10 years younger than my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, cougar, but she looks so much younger than him. I'm telling you the bubbly spirit, like you were saying about your mom, like it that keeps him young. young. It keeps him young. I will show you a my picture. Grandma. My mom looks so young. I swear to God, she looks. It's no, crazy. and still I'll no makeup. Picture. My mom's dressed to the nights today. She looks like in her, she could be in her thirties, but she's literally like, my mom. That was her issue. She would always get hit on by younger guys, so she comes here. Made. Well, I was made because of height as well. So she's trying to get a package from the mailbox and my dad's, my mom's 411 perspective, you guys, Mexican, tiny petite. My dad is 6'2", tall guy. Six, I'm six and three, he's like, yeah. he like grabs the package for her and that's how they start talking. And their first date was at McDonald's actually, the rock and roll McDonald's, like right over here. This one? So cute, yeah. Wait, this been around? It's, yeah, they just remodeled it, but it used to be the rock and roll McDonald's. Yeah, it's so cute. This like, this area has so much, so many memories for me because as a kid, I never would have thought a million years like I'm going to be able to be living back, you know, to where so many memories are. But North Carolina was amazing. So my mom left my dad, obviously tired of putting up with his little antics. He was a gambler and a drinker and other little vices that were aligned with my mom at all, like at all, you know, even though he was Muslim. But there's also the stereotype of you know the guys can kind of get away with whatever they want the girls can't so she got a better position with the company she was working for moved over there my aunt followed her over there and just kind of settled down i mean both my cousins ended up going to chapel hill i went to college over there as well and i loved it i loved the nature i i i will say that's the only thing i miss about north carolina i love chicago it's the best city ever never gonna leave i did move it would be definitely somewhere aligned with North Carolina vibes, like nature. Mm. Like I, you know, the East Coast is the beach, Myrtle Beach, all that South Carolina, two hours away, mountains, you know, Smoky Mountains, everything. It's just, mm. I love it. You have the Appalachian so Trail too that comes in. Hello, Appalachian yeah. State University over here. Not ASU. Why you got those shades? Because everybody always thinks when I say ASU, I'm referring to Arizona State University. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Appalachian State, we're not as popular. That's why I'm throwing shade. I'm like rooting for the underdogs, which are the Mountaineers. Okay, black and yellow, black and yellow, here. black and yellow. Roxy's not an underdog. Roxy's a big dog. Roxy is just not even a dog. She's a cat at this point, And she's mm. literally about to just fall over your couch. She's Listen, so zen. If anything could fall over my couch... Roxy, it's you. It's Roxy, it is you. <laughs> it is Roxy. Did you ever like try to like reach back out to your dad or did you all stay in contact? Oh. No. <laughs> I don't hate him. And I did try to find him on Facebook. Um, but his name is very, very common. I've just, I don't know. I feel like as I got older, I understood the amount of trauma and abuse that he put on my mom 
even including during the pregnancy and after having me, that it was it was really, really amazing that my mom never spoke ill about him. So I don't have anything of hatred on, you know, like seriously, I do not have any hatred in my heart for him. I just feel like mentally it kind of killed my dad when I was 14 in the concept of him. And just, you know, because that was when I was, you know, you're 14, you're rebellious, you're being moody. And I was a very emotional kid. I was very, very emo. But I kind of just like mentally killed him in order to help myself grow. And then as I got older, I realized like, damn, what would I have done if I was 25 or, you know, 26, 27, having a kid without it being expected? And it kind of made me sympathize with him more. And it was a lot in part due to the fact that my mom never spoke bad about him though. And we've always, we always had a great relationship, but I just don't feel the need to reach out. You and your dad had a great relationship. Oh yeah, amazing. Like he, he was 10 years younger than my mom. So all the shenanigans that I would want to do, he would be in it, you know? And then also when I was born, which was crazy. So my mom had to have open heart surgery. Had surgery the next day afterwards and my mom was in a coma for like six months because they gave her too much anesthesia so she wasn't able to hold me and that's why i feel like i'm kind of closer to my grandma in some ways but um she because of the heart's open heart surgery she had she can't get on roller coasters or certain things <clears throat> my dad was always down to do whatever like let's go i got you you know so I had a great relationship, actually. Um, and then I think when I turned 14, so his birthday is January 1st. He's Aquarius. Yes. So is my mom, actually. Mm. And... Aquarius are different. Aquariuses are just like, I just, I'm not even going to talk about that. All right, so my dad was born January 1st. That's a whole other... That's a whole other conversation. Um, I love you, Effie. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other conversation. I love you too, Effie. Um... January 1st. So New Year's Eve, I call him and I remember calling him. And the first thing that I'm trying to tell him happy birthday, I know it's a holiday, whatever. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is like, how much money do you need? It's like, dude, you don't even, you know, he was kind of a scumbag and I don't say it presently, but you know, past tense by not giving my mom any child support or anything like that. Cause he made sure to get paid and all his little business ventures with cash. So that really hurt me. And that's when I mentally had to kill him, right? And like, after, you know, after that fact, I just stopped trying to reach out to him because I felt, you know, you have your way to find me. You're obviously living your life and doing your own things. So I'm not gonna try to force myself to be a part of it, you know? And you're 14 at this time. Yeah. So that's a lot for like, I mean, therapy helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, you know, then I moved back to Chicago a few years later. And I didn't have that hatred in my heart because I, you know, it was four years later. I was 18. I mean, I don't know. I'm analyzing things differently. But at the same time, it was more of like, I, when I was 14, I literally killed you. Like, I stopped thinking about you because everything about you angered me. And it wasn't healthy for me to have this anger. Because it was almost like I was looking for revenge for my mom. And, 
you know, I even look into attorneys because you have t up until the age that your kid turns 21 to pay all 18 years of child support. And I'd known that he was kind of being shady, getting paid in cash and things like that. <clears throat> and my mom, this is how pure of an angel this woman is. She made me promise her that I wasn't going to do it. And I promised her and I kept my promise. But it's like, you're done and over with, buddy. Like, so yeah. Um, haven't really cared to speak to him or look out for him. You know, I tried on Facebook a few weeks not a few weeks ago, a few months ago, um, only because one of my uncles was kind of pressuring it. On my mom's side, actually, as well, because they all knew my dad and they liked him. But um, I feel like if your brain, with the amount of money and technology and resources there are, if your brain doesn't want to reach out to somebody with everything that's being spread out to you then why am I going to try to reach out for you like I everything that I have is good and everything that I that I have currently is meant for me and everything that I will have is going to come to me that I need so you know it's kind of pathetic in a way that he obviously in my opinion has clearly just gone off the rails if he doesn't even remember the fact that he had this whole life with my mom and me and hasn't even tried to look for me. I'm very, very big online, you know. So why, why bother? There's so much rejection in the world in general, you know. So I'm not going to put myself through pain. But I have no ounce of pain in my heart for him. I'm just apathetic at this point. Which is a good thing. Neutral. Apathetic has a negative connotation. Neutral. They actually say apathy though. People like to say that hate is the opposite of love, but they actually say apathy is the opposite of love. And that's that's been really made me kind of dig deeper into like my relationships and say, Oh mean by by being being distant. No, I feel like apathy is worse. different because you have to have the same amount of energy to hate somebody to love somebody. Mm -hmm. There's a song. It was Bad Girls Club, of course, the intro. Love me or hate me, it's an obsession. That was one of the lines. Love me or hate me, I'm still in your mind. I'm, you're still obsessed with me. You're still giving energy exactly. to me. Apathy, like, you're dead to me. And you think that that's what hurts the most from your dad, the fact that he didn't even, like, reach out? Because that's almost apathy. Mm, no, actually, I don't... That's the thing. I don't really care. It's really... I'm very much so... and. It's crazy for people to understand it. I'm very, very much so apathetic. I'm okay with it. I feel like I've gotten more than enough love. More than enough love. And I'm still continuing to be, to get love from my family and my support systems where I wasn't gonna go look for something that wasn't looking for me. Like I really just forgot about him. Like I did. And I had to mentally do that at 14 or else I was just gonna drive myself crazy or have daddy issues or something you know i just hold on to our good memories and kept it as up no thanks for sharing that you know because um that's something that a lot of people deal with you know more than you think so it's just hearing his perspective alone you know does does big numbers you know because me personally I, I don't have that experience so it's just it's just interesting to me it helps broaden my perspective so i can be be there for people and, and, and kind of show up as a better better version, you know? Yeah. So that's just more for me, but 
but just going back to like having a support system, you know, and all of that, you know, obviously, you know, there's one less parent, you know, so I don't know if like, in my, my personal experience, I was um, for, for like the first nine years of my life, 10 years of my life, we were all together, all my five siblings, it was nice, you know? Yeah. But then there was a point where my, my mother, she worked for the United Nations. So like, she kind of would take me with her because I was her, her baby boy. She saved me all of course. the And it was fun, like, but then like, I was like, over time, it's like, wow, I don't really get to like build deep relationships. I don't get to like, I never really had a best friend, you know? Or a sense of community, really. A sense of community, right. So Because you feel like you're a transplant everywhere. Exactly. But in those situations, absolutely, vape away. <laughs> in those situations, I would find myself having to be like, you know, there would be periods where my, my dad and mom would be separated. They're always together, but just like, just work-wise. Physically separated. Physically separated. Yeah. And in those moments, I would find myself having to like, you know, my brother was there a lot, but I would kind of have to be like the man of the house. Or I would kind of have to like, it's just me and my mom. And I'm like super defensive about my mom. It's like, look at my mom. Of you know, course. Like I mean, that. if you look at it, even in nature, the mom is always the one that's going to, you know, be closest to their kin and their child and everything like that. And it's almost like... Your mom's survival mode, I feel like, incites when you're close to your mom as a child, whatever, you know, boy or girl, incites like a defensiveness and you want your, you know, you get protective over your mom. Exactly. But to, I guess, to finalize and tie this all back together, in those situations, I kind of had to like work harder. I kind of had to, you know, do things. It's like, it's, it's no longer just about me. It's now about like, I have to help her or I have to support her. And what in what ways did you have to like kind of pick up the slack and like kind of do a little more since that you know obviously you know your dad's not around anymore a lot um i mean obviously that's why i got into dancing and it was you know how to provide for my mom and also like be her therapist and my mom never dated after my dad so it was a lot of self-healing i was very blessed to have a mom because I feel like um, mental health, there's a huge lack of in brown communities and black communities and the importance of it. And I feel like going to therapy when, you know, when I was like 13, 14, I started going to therapy with my mom and things like that. It helped us grow a lot because I just always felt like I was carrying a lot on my shoulders. And especially like you said earlier, having a mom that had us when we were older. It's very, very difficult to, you know. That chemistry. Or that the way. chemistry is different. I know I have an old soul. Everybody's always said that, even my psychic. But it's difficult to relate to normal things or have a normal life like most teenagers do. You kind of get robbed of that experience. So that was kind of my experience with that and picking up the slack for it. Just kind of having to deal with an overbearing mom or a mom who, you know, didn't have another person in her life and was just kind of fixated on me and also financially, you know, it's not like my dad ever really did that much. Like I mentioned before with the child support, but I just was tired of seeing her work and she, you know, she always says the only man I need in my life is God, but I know that there's more than that, more to it than that. And I was happy to see her have, she always had a good circle of friends, but she immersed herself in church and that could be very lonely as well and very critical and not the best. So it was, it, it was picking up the slack with that and also financially wise in another sense, 
of the loneliness feeling that my mom would get being able to afford to take her onto different places and experience Disney with her and Niagara Falls and all these other Was it kind of like reliving the childhood you never had? Yeah, it really was. And for her as well. And I experienced that in my 20s. Yeah, you know? Because my mom was dirt poor growing up. So those were really, really cool things that, you know, in a, you know, it was a silver lining of a bad situation of my dad leaving me, you know? We were kind of able to build up our own family ourselves. And it wasn't conventional, but it was amazing. No, that's just like, <laughs> and it's like, all you can do is laugh, you know, because through all the adversity, you know, you've seen all that you've been through, you've seen the journey, and like, you're optimistic about where it's going to go. Of course. And I feel like that's, that's like a huge evidence that there's so much more to life. And that, that gives you a drive to wake up every morning and Definitely. just like, and just be hungry and get crazy, you know? Right. And I, I love that you phrase it like that. It's like, it's, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's just bigger than any of us. It's like, we have, we have reasons we do things that are like, just like, it can't be put into words. And I love that you mentioned that, but I do want to touch on the dancing. So like, I love how you mentioned earlier is like, you know, your, your your mother had a hard life, you know, just kind of working hard and stuff like that, especially after, you know, they separated with your dad. And it's like you, you saw in your family, like a lot of people, you know, kind of succumbing to the stress, like, you know, you know, folding basically, right? So it's like, you know, obviously you having to pick up the slack, the dancing, you know, obviously everything comes with stresses. What were ways that you kind of deal with that stress? Because everybody needs an outlet, especially when you're young, you don't really know how to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, to me, drugs. <laughs> Honestly. Let's be real, guys. <laughs> Let's be real. Real. You came to the, if, the um, Yeah, if an employer is trying to hire me, please don't listen to this podcast. But, um, yeah, weed helped me a lot. Um, especially touching back on the fact of my family having addicts and things like that. And everything, everything was almost, like, so hush-hush about, like, they're just bad. Don't do them. Like, everything's terrible. It's going to lead to bad things and also being like you know raised in even though I was in Chicago and exposed to many things in a strict household and then going to North Carolina which like in high school you know they didn't they practiced the um what is it called when you don't have sex Oh, abstinence. 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 Yes. If you have sex, you'll um die. Like, it'll ruin your brain. No, yeah. You'll get pregnant and you'll die. Like, in Mean Girls, that's what he says. You'll die. But abstinence. So, I was very closed off to a lot of things. But, um... Dancing. I totally forgot what we were talking about. Dancing. Well, like, the outlets. So oh, like yes. Outlets. 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 Let's go back to that. So, yes. So outlets were definitely, you know, the fact that everything was always so closed off to me. It didn't really give me a taste for it. But when I realized weed and like I said, I took therapy, I started in therapy when I was 11. So imagine decades, you know, a decade at least of being on Adderall and Xanax and things like that. And 
You're like prescribed. I said, I loved, yes, prescribed. Uh, and then, yes, completely. So imagine being medicated that much as a kid. And just, that's what I loved about North Carolina, the nature, as well as obviously the things that came with it. It was a bunch of hippies in the mountains and things like that. But with good intentions, you know, it's not like bad drugs, quote unquote, I would say, like crack or anything like that. It was like weed and DMT and things that helped tap me into a different perspective and that was my outlet journaling definitely a lot obviously i'm an english major i like to write a lot journaling painting were my outlets because i wasn't allowed to go out or anything and i wasn't allowed to date nothing like that so i found outlets in that sense and i feel like that's also a reason why i'm so um not complacent but i prioritize my my yeah tour for sure i like appreciate and take care of my own circle like my livelihood like me and roxy where i live and everything like that because i'm so okay with not needing somebody else and that's what that you know that was my outlet because i felt like if if i didn't have that outlet then i probably would have ended up more screwed up with like daddy issues and you know as a dancer obviously everybody would always ask me oh like you have you know, assume stereotypes suck, like assume. daddy issues or whatever. No, I actually don't. I love my dad. I really do. It's not that I did it to, you know, f put food on the table, but that outlet just kind of helped me become more aware of everything else that was around me. And it also humbled myself. Helped me humble myself a lot and put more things into perspective. Like how? Well, like, instead of being mad at my mom for not trying harder with my dad, right, before I knew things and I understood things, I started realizing that, you know, she wasn't supposed to be in an abusive relationship with another reason, another way, or another example, I mean, Xanax was making me feel like a zombie and I felt numb and we just helped me deal with my anxiety so much more in a better way and be present. So those are two little examples that I think are huge. No, that's that's huge. Thanks for sharing that. You know, go. I want to go back to like the actual environment, right, of the, the the dancing scene. So like, and you mentioned earlier how it's like people have stereotypes. People come with their preconceived notions, but also like, what what is something about stripping, right, or like dancing that people kind of come in. Like having their preconceived notions, but like you've kind of debunked. Like, what are what are some common things that like that like? What do you think about people who like think a certain way about sex work? Oh my god! I mean, I was gonna wear a t-shirt that literally says "Sex work is real work" today. Um, preconceived notions. Okay, that you're either lazy or that you're a drug junkie, and the debunking factor of it was hilarious because I would be able to carry on conversations obviously i'm educated and most people you know there's always a stereotype of oh i'm paying my way through college as a stripper like number one you don't need a reason to be a stripper i think that's such a fucked up way of thinking it like oh she's just struggling in college you know you don't you're everybody's struggling you know college or no college but the fact that i was outside of you know i had already graduated college and i had my master's and I'm a very educated person People would be so shocked, which is what got my regulars and my clientele to be so good. 
was because they would just literally pay for me to be in the champagne room for you know hours with them and we would just converse and they think dancers are very vapid and they can't have like, why do you think people think that i feel like they think that just because of society and the way that dancers are portrayed i mean meet the millers right very very popular movie with jennifer aniston and jason sudeikis where she's a stripper and the girl that has a boner garage tattoo and she's like a tits, you know? It's like the way that it's portrayed. I mean, Legally Blonde, another one of my favorite movies, like it's more of killing that bimbo stereotype of like, if you do anything using your body, it's, you know, you're automatically like dumb because you're not using your brain. But if you think about it, people in the army use their body. Firemen are selling their body. Like there's construction workers are selling their bodies. It's a double standard. It's it's so messed up. It's like, oh, but the minute that you're monetizing on the sexualization of it, because society obviously sexualizes everything, that's when it's bad. I feel like it's also just the insecurity that a lot of people, including and specifically women have with themselves of just going ahead and slut shaming as well. So I feel like it's a combination of society, the way that, you know, dancers or sex work is portrayed and also the insecurities in women that fuel into that stereotype of strippers just being, you know, airheads. Or if you could be doing anything else with your life, okay? Like what? Slaving away for a job that is just gonna take advantage of me and isn't gonna take care of me when I'm older? You know, there's a lot of girls that obviously there are your cases of dancers and in any job there is your case even at starbucks i'm sure there's cases of people that are just working to get their money to get their next fix of drugs or whatever it may be but at the same time a job is a job is a job is a job is a job not a hijab is a job <laughs> Potentially. There you go. No, no, no. This I feel be a like I would get, I would get beheaded if I stripped in a hijab. <laughs> but it would be a great life. But it would be a great life, right? Okay, I'm not excitement um, around every corner. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not Mia Khalifa. Okay. Listen, don't mention <laughs> porn names around me. <laughs> don't make me fall back into my old ways. I'm trying to be upstairs. Trying to be like your mom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, I keep trying. Let me know when that happens. You slipped up. We talked. <laughs> you slip up, I slip up. Okay, it's a two-way street, you know. I mean, but you're the one holding the reins here. <sighs> I'm just, I'm just in the carriage. Such a heavy, heavy burden. <laughs> Such so, a heavy load. You're not in the carriage. You're not in the carriage. You're not in the carriage. I am. You're the definitely carriage. not in the carriage. You're definitely like. Either right behind, like the person I don't know what they call. Yeah, you're like, or like side by side. You're not in the carriage, okay? I want to be in the carriage. No, no, no. Roxy's in the carriage. You mean like the the, the horse wagon? Track. I don't know. Car <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about Cinderella. Where's this thing going? Okay, let's refocus. So, um, stripping, dancing, <laughs> the pumpkin and Cinderella. Oh, did you see? It? Okay, no, no. Okay, listen. Wait, the the Cinderella with the other uh, one? with with uh, what's her name with the knee? <laughs> What's her name? I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's like the black one. What was her name? 
Are you talking about the black one? Yes. I know. The singer. I've seen it so many times. That's my but favorite. I can't the, That's my favorite There were like Cinderella. big, big uh, names at the time. Disney. 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 Oh, Disney. I can't think of it. Um, but yeah. Um, no, but like. I've debunked that a lot though. Mm. And I think it's really fun stripping and just kind of like knowing that my body's blowing people people's minds mm. but that my mouth ha, not in a sexual way but the things that i speak and the way that my brain works is blowing them even more mm. i like that twist i like that twist you know that's that's a good wordplay it's that's some little angel that's a little angel what is it I'm a li- I'm a li- uh real g's moving sounds like, 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 yeah. you know i just like realize that I, I'm slow. I'm I'm Aries. We have our slow moments. Wait, I told you that. I was oh, you told me about. I was the one that I told you that. about told me like a week before you told me. I remember when you told me. Bro. I told you that. Remember, I was like, how do you not know this? Get out of my get, get yeah. out. No, I didn't deserve anything at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like take everything from me. I'm like, you know, lasagna. You don't you don't say lasagna. I guess that's how you pronounce it. If it wasn't listen, silent. listen, it's know. not English is not my first language. <laughs> I mean, English shouldn't be anybody's first language. We've talked about that. <laughs> Gross. Um, we keep diverging, but like, I, I do want to talk about, and this is off the record, but you mentioned how uh, there's this camaraderie between the other dancers. Oh my gosh, yeah. Elaborate yeah. on so, that, because like from like so a guy's perspective- So stereotypes of stripping. We think it's like super competitive, we're all trying to one up each other. Of course, you know? no. Because so, that's how men are, like with sports, with football, it's always like, I mean, oh, it's I your shoot, ego. It's it's all about your ego, right? As a man, your your sports abilities, your athleticism obviously ties into it. How much money you make, the car you drive, and that being said, I feel like a lot of the men that would go into that go into strip clubs unfortunately have that mentality. And there would be times where you know I'd have multiple times guys come up to me and be like, oh well, she you know this is what you're saying your dance prices, but she said it's this and this and that or she'll do this and this and that for this little whatever and I would just you know kind of always laugh at that and be like okay we'll go find her wherever she's at you know I'm, I'm not gonna you know my mom taught me to know my worth and tax it so I'm not gonna succumb to that and it's kind of sad when some of the girls in it do but if you've been in the industry for a while um, like I know this girl um, her name's Cody not gonna say her full name, but she actually um, started a sex workers brunch. So once a month, every Sunday, it would be not just strippers, like, you know, it would be like, you know, escorts and all sexualities and all skin colors. Like I was, I would be having a conversation about Hemingway with a guy that sucked it for $50. And it's like, there's still people and it doesn't matter the financial thing. It's more about they're already out to get us and break us down. And we, why be catty when you could actually just become stronger? You know, united we stand, divided we fall is very, very true. And I feel like a lot of girls that come and go from strip clubs, mind you, I've danced at four different strip clubs and I've never once had a bad experience at any of them with the camaraderie and those girls literally were showing up to my birthday parties like my family have, has met a lot of them they became my truest realest friends because i feel like you know i feel like also the guys coming in there and saying all those things to the girls and trying to get them against each other because it is a competitive 
We're, but everything's competitive. The only difference is you're doing it face to face. If you're a stockbroker, that's the difference. It's all over the computer. If you're, you know, the only difference with dancing is that it's face to face. So people use more manipulation tactics, right? But you have to be above that to not get lost in it. And like learn that together we're going to make more money. There's so many girls that I would do double dances with and hey, I don't have a fat ass, but I have tits. You have a fat ass and like no tits. Let's go get this money together. And it would make it fun and it would make it, you know, more of like not a chore because it's so draining in so many ways, physically, emotionally exhausting. You, you feel like you're wasted, not wasted from alcohol, but literally like depleted. Yeah, I mean, that too, if you're drinking, it's like insane or bad. You can only imagine, you know, the depletion, how you're feeling. And I feel like having that camaraderie and like having my girlfriends that we would carpool and things like that would make it really fun. I'm still really, my some of my closest best friends are still girls that I met from the strip club. Mm -hmm. Not to interrupt, but like this just popped up to me. Like, so I, I, have, I have a friend who's a stripper and she told me how like she really hated it. And like she would have to be, she, she doesn't do it anymore, but she had to like be fucked up out of this world to even do it. Mm. Like off like a billion um mm. adderalls mm -hmm. off like a million mollies every day like i feel like if you have to get that to do a job you shouldn't do it in the first place number one let's just stop it there mm -hmm. because you can get any other job that's your opinion on it and if you're killing yourself to do it then don't do it or take a break but it was depleting to you on, on like a different skill just like just the time it took the commitment right and the energy i mean obviously i was drinking and everything like that but like if you feel the need to do that in order to get naked or to perform a service i feel like you shouldn't be doing that that should be a big red flag to your own self and your spirit because at the end you're gonna end up hating yourself even more because you're gonna be like not only did i put in all these substances into my body yeah i made a thousand dollars let's say right but not only did I put all these substances in my body, I also am now left with a feeling of shame and guilt. Because clearly I would have done that in a sober mind. Like, there was, there was times where I would leave the club for three months, and luckily, like, not to brag, I was an OG stripper, and my boss loved me. But I would tell him, hey, I'm not drawing anymore, I'm not happy anymore, I'm depressed, like, I'm not doing things that I normally did. I need to take, like, an actual mental break from this. And that's why it was so important for me to learn, obviously, because of my mom and not growing up in the best conditions, like, you know, with money to budget, because I was blessed enough to be able to budget, to have enough money to make ends meet during whatever amount of time I needed to take off work to just bring myself back in and become who I am so I could give people what they wanted as well. Because you're an entertainer at the end of the day. It's not dancing, you're an entertainer. Because half the time you're not even dancing. Half the time you're actually being like a naked therapist and doing all these other roles. You're being somebody's mom. You're being you're being somebody's therapist. You're healing their inner, inner child. You're, you know, just being their little like ego stroke or just their friend, honestly. So there's so many things that are draining about it where at the same time, like you were saying about your friend, that you shouldn't be that up if you're dealing with it, you know? But taking all that energy in raw makes you realize that, you know, you are an entertainer and you need to take a step back and 
work on yourself and be a better version of yourself to continue thriving in that. Because if you're just going to continue going to work, doing all these drugs and getting drunk, you're not, you're going to end up, honey, you're like lost in the sauce. Like you're going to end up hitting that wall and you're not even going to realize how you got there because you're so messed up. And that's a harsh reality. That's a big slap in the face. More of a slap in the face than realizing that you're not the baby in society and that everybody's going to treat you well. That's the real that. slap in the face. I like how you came all the way about that full circle. I do. Big brains. Huge. Huge. Unfathomable. Huge. Large. Excess. <laughs> XL. Col no. No. Colossal. Okay. Okay. I put the ass in colossal. You put the ass in colossal. Speaking of ass. <laughs> Let's talk about my tits. <laughs> yes. Oh, look at you. Actually, you should host. You should host. I'm your guest. Welcome to Trios. Say, say, say. Hi, guys. Introduce. Welcome to Treehouse Show. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Gartesha. He is a jack of all trades. But the skill he does not lack is that of being a host, which is why I'm taking over the show now. <laughs> right. You know, you out here predicting it. I mean, it's really sunny, so I had to throw some shade. Mm. <laughs> um, titties. Tits, tits, tits. Everybody's got them. I mean, everybody has nipples. Everybody's <laughs> right, got right. nipples. Purples, yeah. But that's a different conversation. That's a like, whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. Free the nipple. Right, free nipple. Right, right. <laughs> free the nipple, but that's a different conversation. Right. Um... Titties. So, I feel like in the sex industry, as well as in society, hello, what's the biggest thing I'm trying to right now? Kim Kardashian. That's right. why I say society. But especially in stripping, girls get so much hate on work that they get done. Or even in, like I said, society. I, I think I have more friends that aren't into sex work and aren't strippers that have had so much work done that are ashamed to talk about it because of the stigma about it. Because, oh, you're plastic, oh, you're fake, oh, that's not. And it's, to me, it's baffling because some of the realest mothers that I've ever met have been chock full of plastic. And plastic, I hate the word, because it has a negative connotation, because if you think about it, if you think about the world, plastic is pollution. Plastic isn't good for the word world. Plastic is almost seen as fake, you know? But everybody uses plastic at the same time, if you think about it. But it has a negative connotation. You know, somebody's gonna look at you, Jason Momoish, up and down, if you're holding a water bottle versus, you know, just like an actual- Mason jar. You know, mason jar, whatever it may be. And I hate the stigma on girls hiding or even men i know a lot of men that got worked on hiding it because of the the connotation that plastic equals bad and equals fake i feel like nowadays everybody at least that i know 90 percent of the people that i know have had work done in one way shape or form i also feel it's very hypocritical because to me Plastic surgery, getting a piercing, getting your ass done, getting a nose job, getting your lashes done, all of these things, getting a tattoo, body modifications. But once again, it's up to, like, it's the insecurity in people's minds. Like, 
You can see a Karen getting her hair dyed every single week without her tits done, but she's going to judge a girl who has absolutely no makeup on or anything. Oh, because that's, that's you, honey. You need to focus on yourself. And you need to not judge somebody based on what they look like. Because we all have insecurities, like Kanye said. You know, I'm just the first one to admit it. We all self-conscious, I'm just the first to admit it. It's so true. And I hate that. I am one of the biggest advocates of if my friends want to do something, I am the biggest advocate of do it. Obviously, don't do it on a whim. Think about it. Let's see if you really want it. If it's going to make you happy, then it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, you know? But yeah, it can't be that bad. If you're going to feel better with me. So I was anemic. I have an iron deficiency. My boobs, you've seen pictures of them. Like when I was in high school younger, I used to have double Ds. I used to be heavier, thicker. Having anemia and losing weight so quickly without you working out because, you know, you're, you know, it's like, you know, you're hospitalized some of the times and you can't, you're weak. You really can't do anything or work out to tighten your body. I, you know, coming out of that a few years later, I just felt self-conscious about my boobs. I didn't like the skin. I work out a lot. I like to take care of myself. I didn't like it. I ended up, my mom, it was actually done on 420. My surgery was, blaze it. My mom came and my grandma came from North Carolina to take care of me. Like they were very supportive. Once again, once I opened up that door of me telling her that I was a dancer, who would have even known, you know, that she would have been okay with that. She came to take care of me. My implants, I mean, nobody knows that I have them, honestly, even if you feel my tits, they feel very real because I was just filling up what I already had. But even if I didn't, who cares? Even if I wanted to go bigger, it's like do whatever makes you feel happy and is safe for you and it's gonna make you feel good when you wake up in the morning. Did it accomplish that? Did you feel Definitely. Better? Oh my god, 1000%. I feel like it was such a huge strain on me and I, I just didn't, because I had the image of myself for so long of, you know, growing up and boobs and everything like that and it was like, you know, my clothes would fit properly. I just felt weird, obviously being in the sex industry, being a dancer. I was just like, I can't move them like I used to and things like that. But it definitely helped and I didn't even do them. And also do it for the right reason. I didn't even do them. And that's why I'm going all over the place. But when you do it for yourself, that's when it matters the most. Cause don't do it for the wrong reasons. Cause I didn't do it to make more money. I didn't do it, you know, to please a guy. I didn't do it because you know, my boss told me to or whatever, or because I felt like, oh, big boobs are in, you know, big butts are in, BBLs and everything like that. I didn't do it for any of the trends. I did it for myself. And I feel like when you do it for yourself, why is there a shame? I feel like it's kind of bad that people shame on surgeries, it's surgery shame. It's like, are you just mad because you can't afford it? Or are you mad because there's actually something within yourself that you need to fix? And there shouldn't be anything bad because the only thing you should really always focus on about changing, the thing that you really should be concerned in a real way about changing is who you are as a person, not your aesthetic, not your weight, not anything. That's what you really should be concerned about. You know? You know, thank you so much. Especially I love that last, that last phrase. It's be concerned with what you have control over. 
you know yeah. and um that's a good segue into like obviously we rebranded the treehouse show so we're trying to see how you know all of this could help men become better spiritually mentally and physically you know improve their themselves and i love still having d diverse guests come in because nothing is a monolith nothing is unidimensional you know and i feel like you going through what you went through having these these aha moments or these like epiphanies i was literally gonna say that word, <laughs> That's word yeah. right it's like you took it out of my mouth but I, I got it before you got it so or, or my, my brain transferred it to you but you see i see i'm competitive so it's like there's competition there's like and it, and, it, and it's like you've been so vulnerable and you've been successful with your vulnerability but a lot of men the last thing we want to do is be vulnerable what what advice do you have to men of ways they can open up more and be more vulnerable without because like we always want to we want to be vulnerable but then we, wanna, we don't want to be looked at as like oh like weak weak yeah i don't know if you've thought about it because like it's, it's something like to think about but like no, how I do you have. think men can like be vulnerable but in a strong way in a in a way that's empowering empowering i feel like for men the click ego of like the competitiveness like you mentioned like no it's society number one because like oh girls can girls you know have a number count they're slut but if with your homies when you guys are all together it's like yeah i banged her and her and her it's like a bragging thing right let's get drinks yeah and i feel like for men to truly be vulnerable i th i think a lot of it would go directly into taking therapy because i feel like a lot of men need to be vulnerable but they can't do it in front of their friends because they feel like they have this appearance to keep up. It's the ego. It's all about the ego and the competitiveness. I feel like therapy, I mean, there's a lot of places where you can get free therapy. Um, also looking into just working on yourself. There's a lot of websites where men can openly talk about things because I feel like a lot of it, a lot of the fear of being vulnerable is because of the situation that you're in, which most guys are in situations where they have a big friend group of guys and they're always comparing themselves to them. One upsmanship. It's so and it's, they're not seeing the, the bigger picture. It's like, how is this going to help you when you're with your wife? Because that's another thing. You need 1, to treat, girls. Men need to treat women as equal though. And you're not going to be equally emotional or equally mentally emotional to be on that level if you haven't worked on yourself. Because girls are not afraid to be vulnerable and cry and, you know, even in a bar, whatever it may be, you know, do confessionals in the restroom at 2 a.m. But men are. And I feel like a, a, it's very, very disappointing. But in the brown communities, Hispanic, Latino, the way that, that yeah, also has a too. huge effect on it as well. And I feel like the lack of emphasis on mental health in those cultures is also a negative aspect of it and i feel that if they want to be vulnerable it's more of changing your circle if you feel like you can't be vulnerable in that circle then take therapy and help your homies grow as well and show them that you're being open and the way that you treat yourself the way that you treat women the way that you talk about women has a lot to do with it that's that's a very simple way of being vulnerable if you don't want to take all those steps it's just the way that you start conducting yourself around women or speaking about women with your friends that's a huge huge thing enormous 
yeah, like I had to like stop using certain words. Like I stopped calling girls bitches. I stopped listening to certain music. You have to wean yourself from, cause like you said, it's a program. It's almost an agenda. Yeah. It's almost because it's like, they know sex sells and they, and they know like the ego of men. They know how, like you talked about addiction earlier and they know how sex, sex. This, is, this, this, this society is so obsessed with sex. Like, let's just be real. Like, obviously there's drugs and there's violence. But like, but sex is, sex is really taken within the past ten years. It's really like, cause, it, cause remember like war movies and stuff. It was like people were obsessed with violence too, like horror movies. But like within the past ten years, it's all been sex sales. Like that's been like the major thing. And it's I mean, like even in like I mean, hello, Wonder Woman. Like all the outfits that they make these new characters are Marvel or DC. It's all been sexualized. It's so sexualized. Even girls Junior commercials. Hello, like a hamburger, mm. where the girls getting car wash. Like. Everything it's 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 about changing also like watching what you're consuming and changing what you're consuming mentally and audially as well. Cause like you said, the songs have a lot to do with it. Yeah, the, TV, the it's everywhere, it. but it's ev- it literally is everywhere now that it's almost impossible to run away from. I open my my Snapchat and then like if I go to like the, the like the thing, the first thing is like some TikToks dancers like literally like wearing bikinis and shit yeah and it's like okay it's like okay yeah like don't sexualize her like she can do whatever she wants but like she's she's moving her way her body in an obviously sexual way so it's like there, there's a fine line between dressing where you want and like whatever yeah. and also like no you're being sexual like it's like me like oh like a, like i'm muscular right but then like i'm saying don't look at my muscles but I'm flexing i'm yeah. flexing my muscles and i'm telling you don't look at my muscles you know it's one thing to be buff i can't control being buff you can't control like Okay, I guess you can wear what you want, or you can't control being thick, but like you can control like you're shaking your ass. You're literally like that's sexual. That's no, of course, sexual. yeah. You know, your, so hip like, jack, your hip shirting. Yeah, like don't act like you're yeah, like oh, yeah. your 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 mind is in the gutter for looking at me sexual. No, you're literally like dry humping. <laughs> no, of course. You know, so there's that too, and that's that's a lot of thing. Like men have that too, so it's just like it's like if like they're saying like okay, women are saying like okay, look at us in a respectful way, but then they're doing this. That it's like a lot of men go off the deep end. So I'm kind of looking at things from like a balanced point of view. You know, that's a lot of men have like that. Like a devil's advocate. Yeah, the devil's advocate. I'm somewhere in the center where it's like I don't participate in either completely. I just observe, you know, because both of them have an agenda. And I'm trying to find a way we can meet in a healthy way because there's definitely a healthy way to go about it where things and sex is perfectly fine. Sex is natural, but it's the. It's the feeling that you need to compensate, the feeling that, that, that you're trying to cover up. See, I feel like here's here's my thing, mm. one of my points, that I feel like if men were or people were being honest with their sexuality, they'd realize that sex does not equate to intimacy, which is what we're deep down looking for. That intimate you know, the intimacy, the intimate moments, those little moments where, yeah, we might've just had sex, but we're dancing in the shower on a Sunday morning, where I feel like sex, it's more of sex that has gotten out of control and the sexualizing by society that has made it different. Where now men just see sex, like, I feel like the, I feel like sex is one of the most intimate things that you can do. And I feel like that intimacy is just this far away from sex now. And that's a huge issue. Because it's being commodified. And it's being commercialized and it's being profitized off of as well. You know? It becomes blasé. 
It does. It becomes blasé to the people who do it, and it becomes soul draining for them. And then for the people who don't get it, it becomes an obsession. Exactly. And both sides of the spectrum is gonna like lead to the society to be destroyed. To be honest, like if I'm no, being yeah, true. You know, and it's and I, I'm glad that you touched on that because it's just. You know, a lot, especially men, I can't speak on women because I'm, I'm a man, but it's like, especially men, like college, like that whole scene is just like, it's just literally about body count. Like, it's literally about, bro, how many girls did you invite? Oh, you didn't invite any girls, you can't come. And it's like, and in the, you're, you're a freshman. Imagine like you be being sheltered your whole life, kind of looking at Disney movies and like, oh, and then you go to college and you go to your first frat party and you're like, bro, yeah, we're going to get the girls up and then that's going to be great. Like, this is like, like the dudes do. So it's just like. That has an effect on you. You go from being like a good boy to like, oh, that's all it is. You know, so it's like, and it's easy to like, it's easy to, 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 to like fall off the deep end and not be able to come back from that. You know, I, and I, I'm not being pretentious when I say it. Luckily, I've been, had a supportive friend group. I've had, you know, the opportunity to kind of dig deeper and see that there's more to life than that. But it's good that we're having these conversations because... We're, we're kind of shining the light from both sides. We're giving the masculine, that's why my point yeah. is the masculine, the masculine and feminine. But it's true though, because and, and if you think about it in society, women are, and for men, like you're talking about body count, women are viewed as objects and a prize. So what are the girls on TikTok doing? Let me be the best prize ever by doing, it's both ways, honey. You're so like, cause it's like the prize, like the more sexy that I look, the more I'm going to be, but I still don't want to be seen as an object, but it's society that has made women see trophy wife. Where the hell did that come from? Hello. Like it's a true, it's a it's full circle. It truly is. No, I love, I love the balanced view. I love the perspective. This, I, I feel like we could talk all day. <laughs> we honestly could, we, but we have things could, to do and money to make. Listen. We weren't born rich and we weren't born pretty, so we gotta go hustle, baby. You were born pretty. You were born pretty, not me. Thank you. Okay, not me. Listen. But yeah, I feel like this was beautiful. This was wholesome. But before we depart, where are ways we can find the wonderful Rebecca? Like, where? What's her? What's her handles? My handle. You can find me on TikTok. My TikTok, well, you can find me on Instagram first off. Let me pull that one up. It's Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-A-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O. Just kidding. We're redoing all that. You can find me on Instagram. It's Rebecca13 underscore underscore. Rebecca with one C because my mom didn't want to waste two letters for no reason. And you can also find me on TikTok. My hair page is also linked to my Instagram. My TikTok is just Rebecca Chai13. Again, Rebecca with one C. But all my hair stuff is on there. My handles, if you want to get your hair done, your hair colored. Spring is coming. So let's put some color in your hair and your life. But yes, that's how you can find me. If you want to find Roxy at that Roxy on Instagram, that's the real plug to get. That's the most important. That's the most important one. That's more important than all of this interview. Honestly, like, yeah. Like, what are Roxy's thoughts? To be honest, this whole interview was actually a ploy to build up to the Roxy plug. You know, we had to like. Roxy's trying to get her count up. <laughs> we had to like, um, you know, butter them up before we could hit. We couldn't. We couldn't. We couldn't have just gone with the Roxy plug. Roxy. Yeah. No, no, no. That would have been too much. That would have been too much. It's after they're invested in the story, then we come with the Roxy plug. Like by the way, add Roxy. These animals are so precious, you know. 
What? Just animals and dogs. She just like shed it all over the couch. You know what? Well, this is wonderful. Modern problems call require modern solutions. That's okay, all I got to say. Okay, Dave Chappelle. Okay. That was his quote. He's a millionaire, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yes. From Ohio, Midwest. Woo woo. Hey. Listen. We got Chief Keep. We got Kanye. We got Kanye. Kanye. Kanye going through it right we now. We had King Von. We had King Von. We got Lil Durk. We got a lot of. You know, Lil Dirk just sold out. Of course he did. He, he for I, his the first completely sold out for his wow. tour coming up. He's huge. I, I love him. his story because he started off with the Chief Keef era, era, and Chief Keef was kind of like bigger than him then. And like Chief Keef still has his cult yeah, power. but then he went. He transcended. He transcended. He, he passed that hood level. Mm-hmm. Like you got pop stars trying to. Yeah, that's how you know you made it. Well, like yeah. Justin Bieber trying to slide your shit. Yeah, but you got. Uh, Oh, Scotty Brown. You got oh. Melanie Martinez trying to wait. Oh, Melanie Martinez. You know you made it when Billie Eilish would be like, what's up? You know you made it when you Billie Eilish. When, like, few people get the Billie Eilish cosign. You few get the people. Billie Eilish people. cosign. Oh, you you're global. done. You're global. You're international. We can retire your entire But you know battle. what? On that note, though, I love Bad Bunny, and he's never done a song with Billie Eilish, so. I feel like rappers have a different hurdle to over. Because, like, he, that he's like reggaeton. Mm-hmm. He's like everything kind of. He raps? Yeah. Oh, my bad for um, grouping. He does a lot of things. Okay, so I see you like album, him a lot. I mean, you know how crazy yeah. I was after She got serious. She was like, oh, no, like, wait a second. Wait a second. Listen, listen. Are you talking about my baby? Listen, after this interview, <laughs> I'm going to lock my door. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to travel. I'm gonna wait, now it. you're exposing too much. Now they know we live. In the oh, sh- oh, my God. And I gave him my government name. Oh, <laughs> Well, not the last name. You're gonna edit that one out. I did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stay hydrated. Stay breathing in that good ass oxygen. And stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. We're out of that. And most importantly, most importantly, stay basic. You are listening to Biters by yours truly. Castle stay in the prison, I lost in the sauce. Oh yeah, I'm getting my back. Oh yeah, I'm giving it back. Oh yeah, they bite my swag. Don't chim it on, turn, chim it on, crack. Huh, yeah, 
Darling, care if they bite. Darling, care if they bite. Darling, care if they bite. I'm spreading positivity, some lies. Oh yeah, I'm getting my back. Oh yeah, I'm giving it back. Oh yeah, they bite my swag. Don't chew it on, don't chew it on, pack. Don't need them new pair of kicks, tree of life Take the eye of the team, you are supreme Don't need designer jeans It's funny how when you at bottom Your friends see no trace on the come up one See you at end of the race Nah, they cannot eat from my plate <sighs> Get in the mood for some mudras, uh Get in that from Kama Sutra, uh Muchachas that sip it, kombucha and scooching I'm spitting about y'all in my music Built up anger and anxiety Let that flow, baggage leave All that at the door Keep it bottled up, you gon' explode Stay ten toes, you Oxygen in the trees got you cheesing. Pollen in the air got you cheesing. First trip of your favorite season. Discovered her and it's not Eastern. Now Mother Goose got you calling out for Jesus. You doing some assault out of joy, thanking nature for giving you all of the reasons. Oh yeah, I'm getting my back. Oh yeah, I'm giving it back. Oh yeah, they biting my swag. Don't chew it on, don't chew it on, pack. Yeah, don't really care if they bite. Don't really care if they bite. Don't really care if they bite. I'm spreading positivity, some lies. Oh yeah, I'm giving it back